Welcome to the International Trade Minute, quick-fire trade news, where time is trade. We are your go-to podcast for rapid and concise updates on trade and law, designed specifically for busy trade professionals. Sponsored by Rydal Law Firm and prepared by seasoned trade attorneys, our twice-weekly podcast packages your essential trade updates, all in the time it takes to enjoy your coffee break. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and join the conversation with a network of like-minded professionals on LinkedIn. Where time is trade, make every minute count. In today's episode, we've got a lineup that dives deep into claims, lawsuits, bans, and more. Let's get started. Let's dive right into today's first quickfire story. Reynolds' made-in-USA claim is under fire. In a recent lawsuit filed at the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California, Zuleika Mayfield from San Francisco is taking Reynolds Consumer Products to task. The accusation? Reynolds aluminum foil, popularly known as Reynolds Wrap, isn't as homegrown as it seems. Mayfield alleges that Reynolds' claim that its aluminum foil products are made in USA is misleading. The suit calls out violations of California's unfair competition law, false advertising law, and the Consumer Legal Remedies Act. But it doesn't stop there. The lawsuit goes on to claim that Reynolds has gained unjust enrichment through their deceptive labeling. Mayfield, as a purchaser of the Reynolds Wrap, argues that the product she bought wasn't what it claimed to be, stating it would be against equity and good conscience for Reynolds to retain its profits from this perceived deception. Now, here's where things get technical. The lawsuit points out the journey of bauxite, the raw material for aluminum, as it's transformed into the aluminum foil we know. Bauxite turns to alumina, which is then converted into aluminum via ingots. These ingots are rolled into the foil. And here's the crux. Mayfield's suit claims that none of the bauxite mined in the U.S. is used in aluminum. In fact, this has been the case since 1981. The major sources, Australia, Guinea, India, Brazil, Jamaica, and Vietnam. So, when consumers see the Made in USA label on Reynolds aluminum foil, they might assume that all raw materials for the product are sourced right here in the States. This label might be leading customers astray. The Federal Trade Commission has clear standards for the Made in USA. Claim the final assembly must happen in the U.S. All significant processing should be done here. And virtually all ingredients of the product should be U.S. sourced. It's a complex issue. And as consumers become more conscious about where their products come from, the importance of transparent labeling cannot be overstated. We'll be keeping a close eye on how this unfolds. It's not just about a roll of foil. It's about trust, transparency, and trade. Next, an intriguing evasion finding where silence isn't always golden. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection has recently found substantial evidence that LTT International Trading Company dodged anti-dumping and countervailing duty orders. These charges involve quartz surface products from China. CBP says LTT sneakily transshipped these products through Taiwan, while falsely declaring them as of Taiwanese origin. This all came to light after an allegation in October 2022 by the Cambria Company. They claimed that LTT played a role in importing these quartz products from Taiwan. However, these products were originally from China. The supporting evidence? Cambria pointed to some interesting shipping data. This data revealed shipments received by LTT from Taiwan, listing Chengzhug Enterprise as the manufacturer. Here's the catch. Chengzhug's listed address seemed to be an apartment and commercial storefront, not quite the large-scale production facility you'd expect. And that's not all. 
Chengzheng is known for exporting products like mattresses and diamond saw blades to the U.S. Interestingly, these products are also subjected to anti-dumping and countervailing duty orders for Chinese origin products. During its investigation, CBP found that the claims had weight. LTT had indeed provided responses to CBP's questionnaires, but there were issues. Some translations were incomplete. Certificates of origin had wrong dates, and pictures that were supposed to validate production lacked clear identification. CBP's efforts to gather information from LTT, Chengzheng, Panyang, and another unnamed supplier didn't exactly pan out. Despite confirmed receipt, none of them responded to CBP's questionnaires. This lack of cooperation forced CBP to draw their own conclusions. Based on the evidence, CBP inferred that LTT was evading duties. The documents from LTT contained multiple discrepancies, raising doubts about any genuine production happening in Taiwan. If we take a closer look at the trade data, there's an evident decline in quartz imports from China to the U.S., but there's a sudden spike from Taiwan, especially after 2018 when the ADCVD investigation concluded. This pattern, combined with Chengzheng's shady exports, suggests something's not right. Consequently, CBP has decided to suspend entries linked to this investigation. Entries previously extended will be adjusted, and the suspension continued. There might be more enforcement actions or penalties on the horizon. Cambria Company didn't hold back their feelings. They've clearly stated this blatant evasion needs to stop. They expressed gratitude towards CBP for taking affirmative action. On to our next story. Another chapter unfolds in the U.S.-China tech tussle. This time, it's centered around a smartphone chip. The U.S. Commerce Department has set its sights on Huawei's latest smartphone, the Mate 60 Pro Plus. An official from the agency expressed concerns over whether a chip within the phone might have violated U.S. export controls. The Commerce Department is actively seeking more details about the character and composition of this so-called seven-nanometer chip. Now, this development is particularly intriguing because the phone was launched during Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo's recent visit to China. The bigger picture here: it's not just about a phone or a chip; it's about national security, according to the Commerce. The U.S. is constantly updating its controls based on the evolving threat landscape, and this probe into Huawei is a testament to that vigilance. And let's not forget that this isn't an isolated incident. The U.S. has been pretty clear about its concerns with technology coming from China, especially when it comes to potential threats to national security. As the Commerce official highlighted, export controls are just one tool in their arsenal to address potential threats. It's a dynamic landscape, and we'll be keeping a keen eye on how this story develops, especially considering the broader implications for trade and tech relations between the U.S. and China. Next, we go straight into the world of international trade and tech, as Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim says export ban on rare earth elements is coming. According to a report from Nikkei Asia on September 11th, Prime Minister Ibrahim announced that Malaysia will be imposing an export ban on rare earth elements. And just to set the stage for those unfamiliar with these elements, rare earths are crucial components in high-tech products and renewable technologies. We're talking about things like advanced electronics, hybrid vehicles, and wind turbines. Malaysia's rare earth deposits are notably rich in monazite and xenotime. The big catch, though, the prime minister didn't give a set date for when this ban will be enforced. It's keeping everyone on their toes, especially those in the tech and renewable sectors. This move is clearly strategic. By ensuring the supply chain of these elements remains within Malaysia, 
the country seeks to bolster its domestic industry and capitalize on the increasing global demand. And given the ever-growing tech market, this decision could significantly disrupt global supply chains. Companies that rely on these elements will need to assess their sourcing strategies, which could lead to price hikes, changes in manufacturing hubs, or both. Malaysia, by making this bold move, is positioning itself as a significant player in the international trade of rare earths. But only time will tell how global markets and companies will react. We'll be watching this story closely, and we recommend all our listeners in the tech and trade sectors do the same. We continue with the story about the U.S. saying no to mediation in a customs case concerning the comfy sweatshirt. Let's dive right in. All right, folks, imagine the comfiest blanket you own. Now picture it as a sweatshirt. That's what we're talking about when we refer to the comfy blanket sweatshirt. The burning question, though, how should it be classified under international trade regulations? Importer Cozy Comfort was hoping to find some middle ground with the federal government. They made a motion for a post-assignment conference to explore mediation at the Court of International Trade. But the U.S. government wasn't having it. Their stand? This isn't a complex case, and mediation wouldn't do much good. While Cozy Comfort believes the comfy could be classified either as a blanket, a textile, or a garment under different subheadings, the U.S. government insists it fits the bill as a pullover. So why this fuss? The classification of a product determines tariff rates, and that can mean a significant change in the cost for importers, and eventually for us, the consumers. The U.S. clarified their stance. They've looked closely at the comfy and determined that its features, like the oversized hood, the marsupial pocket, and those ribbed cuffs, make it a pullover. Despite Cozy Comfort's proposals for a settlement, differences in viewpoint have kept both parties from coming to an agreement. In the government's eyes, they've done their homework. They claim there's no genuine issue left, as they've confirmed that the comfy fits the pullover subheading. Their suggestion, this is a legal dispute, fit for a summary judgment, not a mediation. Lastly, we'll look into the recent clarifications from the U.S. Census Bureau. On September 7th, the U.S. Census Bureau took to their blog to shed light on who exactly is the ultimate consignee in certain export scenarios. Remember, in the world of international trade, understanding these definitions can be crucial for accurate paperwork and avoiding costly missteps. Under the foreign trade regulations, the ultimate consignee is essentially the party abroad who actually receives the export shipment. It's not always as straightforward as it sounds. So let's break down the scenarios the Census Bureau has outlined. The first and most common scenario is when you have a U.S. seller and one foreign buyer. Think of this as a straightforward sale. The foreign buyer is the only one getting the goods, so they're the ultimate consignee. Easy enough. Scenario two gets a bit trickier, though. In the second scenario, the U.S. seller knows that the foreign buyer plans to redistribute or resell the goods. But if the foreign buyer doesn't disclose their customers, even when asked, they still remain the ultimate consignee. However, in the documentation, you'd mark them as a reseller distributor under ultimate consignee type. And last but not the least, the third scenario is a twist on the second. If the foreign buyer tells the U.S. seller which country the goods will end up in, but not the exact customers, the buyer is still the ultimate consignee. But you'd also indicate the known destination country. Sounds like the key takeaway is ensuring you know where your goods are headed and accurately documenting it based on the recent clarifications. Navigating international trade can be a maze, 
but with clear definitions and guidelines, it makes the journey a bit smoother. Thank you for joining us on International Trade Minute, your rapid source of trade updates for busy trade professionals. And we hope to have you back for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe.